Nudged presents Mary's Hair and The Fish in the Bathtub. Two stories by Owen Colfer, narrated by Mike Grady and Caroline Lennon. Mary's Hair Chapter 1 I hate my hair. Mammy says you mustn't hate anything, but I can't help it. I hate my hair. Just look at it. It's all bits. Brown bits, black bits, curly bits and straight bits. It looks like a big bush grown on top of my head. It would be no surprise if I woke up one spring morning to find a family of swallows nesting in my bushy hair. It's not fair. Other girls have lovely blonde hair. The kind you can put into pigtails. I tried to put my horrid hair into pigtails once. The elastic bobble snapped in the middle of playtime. My hair popped out more bushy than ever. My best friend Imelda said it was like my head had exploded. Daddy says that if you don't like something, then you should do something about it, not just whine at your parents when they're trying to have a cup of tea. So, one day, I decided to do just that. I made up my mind to cut my hair until it looked the way I wanted it to, just like those girls in the magazines. Chapter 2 I collected all the things I needed and made a little pile on my dressing table. There were scissors from the drawer in the kitchen, a tub of my brother's hair gel to flatten the curly bits, a pair of swim goggles to protect my eyes in case the scissors slipped. First, I put on the hair gel. It felt cold and slimy, like a family of snails crawling over my head. At least it helped the goggles slide on smoothly. Maybe I should have washed those goggles before I put them on. There was all sorts of stuff inside. Sand from the beach, a blob of chewing gum and a dried up old starfish. Then it was time to cut. The scissors felt funny in my fingers, but there was no time to worry about that. Mammy could come in the door any second. So I set to work. I took it slow at first, just cutting one hair at a time. But when I saw how brilliant I was at hairdressing, I started snipping as fast as I could. Soon there were hundreds of curls on the bedroom carpet, like autumn leaves on the grass. I took off the goggles. My hair looked brilliant. That was the last time the hairdresser would get any money from me. I might open a hairdresser's myself, in the bedroom. Mary's hair, I'd call it. Mary's hair, 10p a go, bring your own goggles. Nearly all my curls were gone now. There were just a few baby ones that I couldn't cut because the kitchen scissors were a bit blunt. I gave myself a fringe too, very trendy. It was a little bit crooked, but you wouldn't see that if I walked around with my head to one side. I didn't know why I was worried at all. Mammy wouldn't be one bit cross. In fact, she'd be pleased that I'd saved her some money. Chapter 3 It was time to try out my new hairdo. All the girls would be playing at Imelda's. Saturday was Barbie day, and Imelda's daddy just got her the biggest Barbie house in the shop. As I crept down the stairs, I made sure to keep my head to one side because of the fringe. I don't know why I bothered creeping. Mammy and Daddy were far too busy trying to get baby Peter to open his mouth for some porridge to notice me.
I don't blame Petey. I never liked porridge either. Imelda lived two doors down. On a normal day, I'd go through a hole in the hedge. That day, I went on the path to protect my hairdo from any grabby branches. Imelda's mammy, Gloria, was in the front window polishing a vase. I gave her a big wave and pointed to my head. Gloria was so impressed that she dropped the vase. Who could blame her? She must have thought that I was one of those famous supermodels. I could hear the girls round the back. They were all going, ooh, and ah, and saying how great Imelda's doll's house was. Wait until they saw my hair. I crept up behind the shrubs, then hopped out right in front of the girls. Here I am, ladies, I shouted. What do you think of me? Chapter 4 No one said anything. I don't think they knew who I was for a few seconds. Then the best thing happened. The girls started to clap. A big clap, just for me. You'd swear I was a pop star or something. It was the happiest moment of my life. I decided I'd better make a speech. You're too kind, girls, I said. You'd think I was after winning an Oscar. I'd just like to thank my mother for buying the scissors and my big brother for leaving his door open so I could borrow his hair gel. And, of course, all my friends for giving me the guts to cut my own hair. Imelda gave me a big hug and a loan of rollerblade Barbie. Only Imelda's best, best friend got rollerblade Barbie. We played for ages. We played Barbie Goes to School, Barbie Saves the Ozone Lair, and Barbie Wins the World Boxing Title. It was brilliant. After a while, I noticed that the girls were looking at my head. Nice, isn't it? I said. It's hard to believe that it's all my own work. Imelda shook her head. It's not nice anymore, Mary, she said. The gel is dry now. I reached up with my fingers. The curls were back. The gel felt different too. Not slimy anymore. Hard as a helmet. I got a funny feeling in my stomach. The kind you get just before a nasty shock. I dropped rollerblade Barbie and picked up Imelda's mirror. The smile dropped off my face. Oh no, I said. My horrible bushy hair was back. Only now it was worse. My fringe had shrunk right up to the top of my forehead and my curls looked like a million little horns. Chapter 5 Next thing I knew, my mammy was standing in front of me. She'd come in for a gossip with Gloria and spotted me in the garden. Mary, she yelled, what have you done? I wanted to blame someone else for a minute. But there was no one. Even Petey had been with Mam and Dad at the time. You cut your hair, didn't you? Mam said. I nodded. I was too scared to speak. Look at the state of you, she said. Well, I hope you've learned your lesson. I nodded again. All the girls nodded along with me, just in case they were in trouble too.
Get home now in front of me, ma'am said. Wait until your father sees this. I started to cry then. Big fat tears that dripped off the tip of my nose. It's a terrible thing to be popular for half an hour and then have to go back to being plain old Mary Leary. I might never get a go rollerblade Barbie again. I'd learned my lesson all right. This is the lesson I'd learned. If you're going to do something to your hair, it's a good idea to try it out on someone else first. So, I would have to find a volunteer for my hair experiments in future. Chapter 6 Ma'am made me promise never to cut my hair again. She even made sure that my fingers weren't crossed when I made the promise. But she never said that I couldn't dye my hair. So that was what I decided to do next. If my hair was a lovely blonde colour, you might not notice the crooked fringe and the spiky curls. The next morning, I went to look for a volunteer to test the dye on. I asked the girls, but they ran away screaming. That usually means no. So I had to ask someone who would do anything just to have a friend. Noli Rochford always had a runny nose. By the age of seven, he still hadn't figured out how to use a hanky. This meant that not even the other boys wanted to hang around with him, and they were a fairly smelly bunch themselves. So, when I called at Noli's house that Sunday, he was a bit surprised to see me. Noli came to the door wearing a woolly hat, poo PJs and fuzzy bunny slippers. How would you like a friend? I said. Who is it? he asked. Me, but only for today. Noli thought about it for a second. He wiped his nose on his PJ sleeve. OK. There's one condition, though. You'll have to get your hair dyed blonde. Noli wiped his nose on the other sleeve. OK. Come on, then, I said. The hairdressers is in my house. I'll sit in the wall until you get changed. Changed? Boys, they've no brains. You need to change into your clothes, Noli. You can't wear your PJs through the estates. Oh, OK. It took Noli almost an hour to get changed. My bum was getting sore sitting on the wall. I was thinking about looking for another volunteer when the door opened and out he came. Oh, no, I moaned. Noli had taken his hat off and there was no hair on his head, only fuzz. I got a shave, he said. A number two. Do you like it? No, Noli, I don't like it, I said. How am I supposed to dye a bald head? I thought Noli was going to cry then. Are you not me friend anymore, he said. I almost said no. But then I remembered something. Noli, don't you have a dog? A little shaggy-haired dog. Yep, said Noli. Bruce is my best friend in the world. Hmm, I said. I had had another brilliant idea. Why don't you ask him to come with us? Chapter 7 My brilliant idea was to dye the dog's hair. If the whole thing went wrong, 
Bruce wouldn't even be able to complain, except to other dogs. I sneaked Noli and Bruce upstairs to the bathroom. There was no need to sneak, of course. Mammy and Daddy were busy trying to stop Petey kicking long enough to change his nappy. Bruce was perfect for my practice run. He had a big head of shaggy brown hair, almost exactly the same as mine. Now all I had to do was get Bruce into the shower. The steps on the packet of hair dye were simple. One, wet the hair. Two, rub in the dye. No problem. I gave Noli his orders. Tell Bruce to get into the bath. You get in with him and hold his head still. Noli sniffed. Cad. And why not, Mr. Rochford? I said. The teacher always called Noli Mr. Rochford when she was annoyed with him. Bruce had his head stuck down the toilet. His back legs were up on the toilet seat. He's having a drink, Noli said. Bruce loves drinking out of the toilet. I'm not allowed in the bath without my mammy, teacher, Noli said. I mean, Mary. Well, how am I supposed to wet Bruce's hair then? And what's he doing now? And then I had another brilliant idea. I crept over to the toilet and lifted off the cistern lid. It was really heavy, but I'm very strong for my size. The water inside was blue because of the toilet bleach, but I thought it should be okay to use. I poured in all the hair dye and stirred it around with Daddy's toothbrush. Then I flushed the toilet. Whoosh went the water all over Bruce's head. The poor dog fell right into the bowl where he spun round and round with the blue water. Noli started to cry. Bruce is drowning. What have you done, Mary Leary? Maybe my idea wasn't so brilliant after all. But then the toilet stopped flushing and Bruce's head popped up over the rim. Rough, said Bruce. It wasn't a happy rough. It was an I'll get you for that rough. He hopped out of the toilet and ran off down the stairs. Noli ran off after his dog. I didn't understand why Bruce was so upset. It was only a bit of hair dye and some bleach. Now I couldn't even check the results of the dye. I was putting Daddy's toothbrush back when I spotted something odd. All the bristles were gone. They had melted away. Now what could have done that? Chapter 8 Mammy made me go and say sorry to Noli. He was still crying even after two days. Sorry, Noli, I said. I tried to sound really sad. You made Bruce all funny looking, Mary Leary. It was true. Bruce did look funny. Half his body was white and the other half was brown. He looked like two dogs stuck together. I think he looks nice. I said, like a superhero dog. Really? Really? Do you forgive me now? No, and Bruce doesn't either. That was a surprise. I thought Noli would forgive me straight away, just so he would have a friend. Friends forgive each other, I said. 
Noli lifted his sleeve to wipe his nose. There was a plaster on the sleeve. There was a message written on the plaster. It said, Use your hanky. Noli took a hanky from his pocket and gave his nose a big blow. You're not my real friend, he said. You only wanted to play so you could turn Bruce white. Bruce is my real friend. Noli was right. Bruce was his real friend. I'd only called at his house because none of the girls would let me dye their hair. If I play with you for a week, will you forgive me then? I asked. Noli thought about it. A month. Two weeks? Okay, he said. It's a deal. We shook hands, because that's what you do when you make a deal. Noli's hand was a bit sticky. I heard Mammy calling me from up the street. I have to go now, I said. Where? Mammy's taking me to have my hair cut short, so it'll grow out all the same length. You're getting a skinner? Noli asked. I nodded. I didn't want a skinner. I hadn't had short hair since I was a baby. Noli smiled. Well, don't worry, Mary. Even if your hair turns out horrible, I'll still play with you. Thanks, Noli. You're a real friend. I ran up the road. Mammy was beeping the car horn for me to hurry up. Maybe Noli wouldn't be such a bad friend after all. He had a cool dog, and he was good at taking orders. The most important thing was that he was learning to use a hanky. No more tricks. Real friends didn't play tricks. Anyway, Mammy had banned me from using hair dye. So now I couldn't cut or dye my hair. But Mammy hadn't said anything about perms. Maybe I could give myself one of those. The Fish in the Bathtub Chapter 1 Grandpa's Stories Warsaw is an old city, but its bricks and mortar are new. The German army flattened it on their way home from Poland in 1945, at the end of the war. Grandpa told Wuzia this many times each week. Every time Grandpa told the story, Wuzia saw a picture in her head of a giant black boot stepping out of the sky and crushing the spires and bridges of the city. Sometimes this picture made Wuzia giggle. It was funny, like a cartoon. Grandpa Felix did not like it when Wuzia laughed at his story. Wuzia didn't know why he got upset. It wasn't as if his stories were true. Warsaw is not a city of buildings, Grandpa would insist. It is a city of people. We have been here longer. Chapter 2 Wusia Wusia lived in a flat on Targova Street with Grandpa Felix and Mama Agata. There were many other families in the building, and in these families there were at least twelve other eight-year-old girls. Well, there may have been many more, but Wusia could only count to twelve. She had never tried to count past twelve. In fact, 
Twelve was her record. By the time she got that far, she was already bored. Wuxia got bored easily, and this was why she was no good at standing in line. For the first ten seconds, she was fine. But then questions would burst out of her like air from a popped balloon. Why is that woman so fat? she would ask. Or, that man's nose is red, Mama. Why is his nose so red? The most embarrassing question of all was about Mrs. Tazinka. They were in line for sausages at the time. Is there a shortage of tissues, Mama? Wusia asked. Because that woman just wiped her nose on her sleeve, then her sleeve on that boy's head. Wusia's mother abandoned the line, and they ate vegetables for a few days. You are like an American, Wusia, Grandpa Felix shouted. Everything has to be now with you. This is not New York City. Here we stand in line. You must learn this in Warsaw. Your button is loose," said Wusia, pointing out what she saw, as she always did. And anyway, Wusia told Grandpa Felix, there was no carp last Christmas, even when you stood in line. I remember that. It was true. Last year. Grandpa Felix had taken on the duty of waiting in line for the fish for Christmas Eve dinner. He put newspapers in his shoes and stood in line for six hours outside the fish shop. But he came home without even the smell of fish on his hands. That only happened once, you impertinent child," Grandpa Felix told Ulcia, "and it will not happen again." Neither Germans nor communists will keep me from a fish steak this Christmas Eve. What does a German look like? Wusia asked. Like a communist, Grandpa Felix said crossly, but with better boots. Chapter Three. Old Ways. There were ways to get hold of things, without standing in the dreaded lines. Old ways. Barter. People had things, and they would trade them. These people were breaking the law, but the party who made the law were a long way away in Moscow, and people had to live. Even the party soldiers ignored the old women who wandered the streets of Warsaw with large baskets that seemed, at first glance, to be filled with rags. One of these old ladies, a veal lady, arrived at Wusia's back door on Saint Nicholas Day, two weeks before Christmas. She plonked her basket on the table and drew back the cloth. The basket was lined with plastic bags and brimming with cuts of beef and boar. Grandpa Felix was listening to Abba on his tape player, acting casual. "Jindubre Adamski," the old lady said, "What can I do for you today? A nice bit of beef? Fish is what I want," Grandpa Felix said. "Carp, in fact." The veal lady pulled up a chair. This was serious business. 
Mamma mia, she sighed as she helped herself to a glass of water. Here I go again. Carp Adamski, that will cost you. Chapter 4 A Delivery The fish came that evening, in a bucket. Grandpa Felix was surprised. What's the bucket for? he asked. I ordered carp, not a bucket. The bucket costs extra, the veal lady said. The water is free, a gift for St. Nicholas Day. Grandpa Felix scowled. I expected carp steaks wrapped in paper, packed in ice, he said. Ice? I don't carry ice, the veal lady said. I'm a veal lady, not a fish lady. I don't gut or fill it. This way, you can be sure it is fresh. You want it or not? Grandpa Felix passed her a small pile of coins. I want it, he said. This Christmas Eve, we eat carp before church. No German or communist is going to tell me I can't eat the fish from Polish rivers. First they took my house, then they blew it up, then they built us this ugly block of concrete. But I will have my carp. You have to make a stand. The veal lady rubbed Wusia's head to show she was sorry Wusia had a crazy grandfather. Whatever you say, Felix, she said. You and the fish can make a stand together. Now, I need my bucket, if you don't mind. Chapter 5 A New Home Wusia hadn't heard a single word her grandfather or the veal lady said. There was a fish in a bucket in her house. A fish swimming in lazy figures of eight, bumping into the shiny metal. Wusia followed her grandpa into the bathroom, where he dragged some bedsheets from the bath and poured in the fish. It rolled from the bucket like a silver-brown tire, then flapped for a bit until Wusia added some water. Wusia prodded his back. Now, Mr. Carp, she said, breathe all you like. Fish breathe water, Grandpa. Not for long, Grandpa Felix muttered. He wanted to break the bad news about Mr. Carp and Christmas Eve dinner in a kind way. But Wusia wasn't interested in the hard facts of life. He sucks the oxygen out of the water with his gills, she said. So we have to change the water every few days. Grandpa Felix's eyes widened. He? The fish is a he now. And where did you learn so much about fish all of a sudden? Wusia looked up from the bathtub. I am eight, Grandpa. I do know stuff. I just don't know anything about history because you're the only one who cares about that. Grandpa Felix searched in his pocket for some tobacco. Sometimes I think you're right, he said, and he headed outside for a smoke. Chapter 6 Friends Usia and the carp became very close. This was odd not because the creature in the bath was a fat brown fish, 
but because before this Wuxia had never sat still for more than five seconds. Her mind wandered at the speed of light. Ideas bounced around in there like beads in a rattle. No matter how hard she tried, Wuxia could never hold on to one idea for more than a moment. Often the beginnings and endings of her sentences would have no bearing on each other. For example, Mama, I'm putting on my gloves because the whale song sounds so sad. Yes, Usia, Mama would say. Sometimes she was sad that she could not live in her child's beautiful world herself. So girl and fish became friends, though it might be that the fish didn't know a thing about it. He swam about his hard white pool, and he never seemed surprised to find titbits and leftovers that had not been there the last time he passed. Wuxia sat on a kettle box beside the tub and talked to her new friend. She nodded with great interest at the replies she imagined. It is cold today, fishy, she would say, and she would reach a finger into the water to stroke the single fin on the carp's back. I suppose you are cold all the time. Maybe you like the cold. Was it cold in your egg? And the fish would answer, but only in Wuxia's world. No, my dear, he would say. It was warm and soft in my egg, and I wish I was there still. But as I cannot be there, I am glad to be here, where you tickle my back and tell me important news of the outside world. Wuxia thought for a moment. Important news, hmm, she said. Well, I saw a twig on the path today. It looked like a sparrow's leg, and the icicle on the fence has gone. Grandpa says one of the local louts may have snapped it off to use for mischief. Heavens, the carp gasped. Such news! The world is in such a state. And I have a blister, Wuxia went on. And this morning I woke up sneezing. Stop! The fish cried. No more. I will be sad. Sing to me instead. So Wuxia sang a beautiful song about a cat who was using up his nine lives one by one. And the fish grew calm, and his swimming grew lazy and slow. Chapter Seven. Christmas Eve. This went on for two weeks. I cannot believe it, Mama Agata answered. I thought Wuxia would lose interest, but she loves that carp. She sings to it. She's in there now, cleaning the bathroom for the fish. Grandpa Felix shook his head. It has to go, Agata, he said. It is Christmas Eve, and I will have fish for my dinner. No communist or German can stop me, daughter. I am making a stand. Mama Agata sighed. I know, you are right. Of course, you better go in and tell her. Me, Grandpa Felix stuttered. I thought that you would tell her. Maybe whisk her to her room for a Christmas story. Agatha folded her arms. "You are the one who wants to make a stand, Papa," she said. 
You can be the one to break Wusia's little heart. Break her little heart? Grandpa Felix thought with a scowl. It was a fish in that bathtub, not a diamond necklace. Chapter 8 A Stand Wusia was showing the carp a drawing of the family when Grandpa Felix entered the bathroom. This is me and Mama and Grandpa, Wusia told the carp, and there's you in the bath. I've given you a top hat because we're all going to the opera. Then Wusia spotted Grandpa Felix. Oh, Grandpa, do you need to go? she asked. Eh? No, said Grandpa Felix. He was not comfortable with Wusia's habit of sharing information about bathroom habits. I'll leave if you do, Wusia went on. I know you need a lot of time and a good book. No, it's not that, Wusia, Grandpa Felix said. We need to talk about the carp. His name is Fishy, Grandpa, Wusia corrected him. We need to talk about Fishy. He's wonderful, isn't he? Wusia said. Maybe we can get a big bowl for him, so we don't have to wash in the sink any more. Grandpa Felix scratched his chin. He was amazed to find that he was nervous. After more than forty years of Germans and communists, an eight-year-old girl made him nervous. You do know why we bought the carp, I mean, fishy? he asked. Wuxia turned to her grandfather. I know we bought him to eat, she said, but that was before. He's my friend now. But Wuxia, he's an it, Grandpa Felix said. It's a fish. Now you run along to your room and have a nap before midnight mass. Say goodbye to Fishy. Tears stood out in Wuxia's eyes. No, Grandpa, he's mine now. You can't eat him. Grandpa Felix did not take orders well. This fact had cost him three years in a Russian prison one time. Can't, he said. I will not be told can't in my own house. Not by Hitler, not by Stalin, not by you. That fish is my dinner. I will not be beaten again. I'm making a stand. Now go to your room, or I will kill the fish while you watch. Wuxia's tears flowed now as she stared up at this man she thought she knew. But she was his granddaughter, and so there was a spark of rebellion in her. You are just like a communist, she said to her grandpa, then ran to her mother's apron. Chapter 9 the boss. Grandpa Felix wondered if it was possible to hate a fish. He was beginning to feel it might be. All this trouble for a dinner of carp. It was stupid. Wasn't there a time when he and his brothers had fished the rivers any time they pleased, without fear of prison? Wasn't there a time when they threw small fish back, even middle-sized fish? He felt a need to explain to Usia that this was about more than fish. 
This was about freedom to enjoy the things that grew in their own country. This was about their way of life. They were in Warsaw, not New York City. Grandpa Felix took a few deep breaths, then stomped down the hall to the room Usia shared with her mother. Now listen here, Usia, he began, but the angry words died in his throat. Usia was already asleep. Her pillow was wet with tears. Felix felt his anger drain like water from a cracked jar. Listen here, Usia, he said, but softly this time. Usia lay sleeping with one eye half open in the strange way she had. Her cheeks were red. Grandpa Felix could see that even in the darkness. And she got her pointed chin from her grandmother, Grandpa Felix's wife. This is very unfair, Grandpa Felix thought. What chance do I have? He saw Wusia for what she was, innocent and happy. He looked down on her with a sudden rush of love that filled his head with heat and made his hands tremble. It was as if the world had been made for her. Felix reached down a single finger and touched her cheek. The best argument of all, he thought. How is an old rebel supposed to win? She will learn sorrow soon enough. Where is the harm in letting her be happy? Usia opened her other eye. I'm not asleep, you know. I'm just pretending because I'm cross with you. I see, said Grandpa Felix. He felt like a bear with no teeth. Are you cross with me over Fishy? Yes. He's my best friend, and I won't eat him. Grandpa Felix sat on the corner of the bed. How could you eat him? he said. He's your best friend. Wusia knew she was winning. I bet I look like an angel when I pretend to be asleep, she said. You do, her grandpa said. Tomorrow you will look like a hungry angel. I don't care, Wusia cried. She sat up and hugged him. I will think about my head instead of my tummy. Thank you, grandpa. It's not forever. Grandpa Felix grumbled. In a few days we will have to set him free. He will die in that bath. He, Grandpa Felix said to himself, now I'm calling that fish. He. Before you know it, there'll be an extra place at the table for it. Can Fishy stay until my birthday? Wusia asked. Grandpa Felix was not good with dates. When is that? April. April? Grandpa Felix spluttered. That's four months. We can't wash in the sink for four months. You could dig him a pond, Usia said, outside the flat. Are you crazy? Grandpa Felix asked. How long do you think a carp would last outside the flat? Other people aren't as fond of fishy as we are. Okay, said Wusia. You win. Fishy stays in the bath. Thank you, said Grandpa Felix. It's the only sensible thing to do. 
but not a day past your birthday. I mean it. I'm taking a stand. Grandpa Felix glanced up. Agatha was at the door, smiling. Grandpa Felix wanted to smile too, but of course he could not. Now you go to sleep, he told Usia. We will wake you at eleven for church. And you, Agatha, stop smiling like a simple person and make me some strong coffee. One for the fish, too, while you're about it. Of course, Papa, said Agatha. You're the boss. Grandpa Felix tucked his granddaughter in. The boss, he thought. I wish. <laughs>